You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. This morning in the Gospel lesson, Jesus sets before you a picture of a vineyard and how work and wages go about in this vineyard, and it is not what you and I would expect. The manager gives unequal wages to unequal work, right? Or, I'm sorry, it goes the other way around. It goes, he gives equal wages to unequal work. Now, if this happened in our world, you know, uh, if a manager tried to give unequal wage or equal wages for unequal work, there'd be uh, strikes, lawsuits, and probably outraged op-eds in the local paper. Everyone would agree that the master should have given this, that he should never have given the same amount to the men on the one hand who bore the burden of the day and men on the other hand who lounged around in the marketplace till the last hour. But what the world expects and what you and I would expect and what Christ gives are not the same. And that's a blessed thing. If right now you receive the wages due you for your life's work, how much do you think you would have coming to you? If you worked hard for your family and yourself, probably most of us would expect a lot, right? I mean, if anything, we we imagine that uh, we have not actually received what we deserve. But, of course, our life and our works... uh, They're not just under the judgment of the world and what they owe us according to our labor. Uh, It also stands under God's judgment. In the Old Testament lesson, we heard how the Lord knows your righteousness. And he also knows your wickedness. And then he tells you, the soul who sins shall die. But in your Father's kingdom, you're not judged and condemned by what you deserve You're judged by what Christ himself has done. And for his sake, not for your sake, not for your labors, for Christ's sake, you obtain grace. These are your wages this morning. Jesus gives you the gift of salvation, which is forgiveness and resurrected and everlasting life. And among the saints who have obtained grace by faith, There is no distinction. And that is the point of our meditation this morning. Now, our Christian ears have to be trained uh, to recognize the kind of equality that is given to each of us by grace in Christ and to know how to distinguish this equality of grace with the the demands of equality that that you hear out in the world, that you hear from different corners of our culture. And to know this difference between a worldly equality and Christ's equality, you have to know the difference between God's kingdom and the kingdom that Jesus describes in the Gospel lesson. Both kingdoms, by the way, the kingdom of the kingdoms of these of this world and the kingdom of, of grace, all of these are, are according to Christ's own dominion, right? But he operates in two very different ways. Now the scriptures teach us that when Christ rules the earthly kingdom, we come to the quick realization that it's not founded upon a universal principle of equality, but rather it's founded upon 
a distinction between people, (laughs) that there's a difference between parents and children. There's a difference between rulers and subjects, and that teachers and hearers are unequal. This is why uh, you hear Paul famously tell you to obey the governing authorities in Romans chapter 13, and also in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, you'll hear the apostles say that you also must be subject uh, to the emperors and the governors. This doesn't come to, as a surprise to us, because when we meditate on the commandments and, and see how they give order to our lives and how they do that for our good, we see that human authority is ultimately derived from the dignity and the honor that, that God has given to our parents and all parents in the fourth commandment. You're not born into this world as an equal, but rather in a very precarious situation. You are totally unequal. You can't take care of yourselves. You depend on somebody else to take care of you. All you can do is cry and eat and, you know, be stinky. So, <laughs> This authority of protecting, educating, and nurturing life has also been given, in a, in a sense, to governors and to teachers, right? And so what they do uh, from authority, they do because uh, the parents need help in, you know, protecting the streets at night, right? Uh, that teachers uh, have to teach our kids how to do math because when we're honest with ourselves, most of us have forgotten how to do calculus and this kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that in the world there's no such thing as an equality between people because it's true that we're all equal with regard to our common origin, that God has created us, uh, that we, we share common ancestors uh, with Noah and Adam as our fathers. But this dignity of creation doesn't take away from the fact that God has placed us into very different stations in life. He created some of us to be men, others to be women. Uh, some the Lord saw fit to, to give into marriage and, and to be husbands and wives and others, perhaps not. The Lord has made some to be rulers and teachers uh, or even pastors and the others. Uh, the Lord requires us to obey with a clean conscience, right? And yet we, we desire, as, as creatures in this world, to not be content with the equality that we have by the dignity of creation. Instead, we, we desire to strive past it, to grab onto something that's deeper, perhaps, you know? And so, you know, a lot of times people find this in, uh, this, this equality, this deeper equality beyond createdness by, who knows, joining a, a social club or finding it in their patriotism. Um, still others, you know, transcend the bounds of their vocation by proving they're equal with people who are outside of their station in life, right? That uh, God has created me a, a man, huh, and yet you'll find men out there who defy these bounds of creation, you know, to assert their, how they are equal with women or vice versa. It goes either way, right? But this deeper and better equality that the world strives after by transcending vocation, uh, this isn't something that the world can ever give them. And this is, in fact, where the kingdom of this world must give way to Christ and his kingdom, who does give you a deeper and more profound unity and equality with each other, and he gives it through his baptism. 
through his absolution, for his forgiveness and life. He gives the same gifts to each and every one of you. And he does it, amazingly, not by destroying vocation at all, but by giving you but by giving you the grace that you need to be welcome in his Father's sight. When the world strives after a a deeper equality beyond what God has given to them, you should remember this. It always comes up as an attack on vocation. It can't be helpful because it strives ultimately against what Christ alone can give. And he gives it by his word and sacrament. You, dear Christians, in the sight of this world, as God has created you, are very different from your neighbors. Uh, you live in, you all, even you here among uh, the folks in this congregation, you live in different neighborhoods, uh, you make different amounts of money, you have different cars, different kinds of kids, or no kids, and so on. And according to God's word, uh, you've discovered that you have different capacities, duties, and obligations. But for all of these differences, Jesus gives to you all the same baptism, the same baptism as the person next to you. Now, that might not be surprising. You look over to Bill, who's sitting next to you, and say, yeah, that, I know that Bill's been baptized here. Uh, he has, it seems like, the same old baptism, right? Well, think about this. You have been baptized with the same water and the same word that was given to St. Paul. That, that was given to St. Augustine. That was given to Luther. Or perhaps even to Pastor Wolfmuller, you know? <laughs> you have the same baptism. You have the same Christ, the same righteousness, the same promises that make you delightful in your, in your Heavenly Father's sight. And this equal grace that we all share has nothing to do with the quality or the quantity of your works. Because Jesus didn't shed his blood for the best people on earth. He shed it for sinners. You know how you've fallen short this past week. You know how each and every one of you have been fighting against the bounds of your vocation, either by not doing what God has commanded you according to your vocation or by uh, seeking after those things that are outside of your vocation. But your sin doesn't mean that you get a lesser Christ. It means quite the opposite. You get all of Christ all of his mercy and all of his grace. And that is exactly what you have in common with all of the saints who have gone before you. And just like you, they knew that they weren't righteous people who deserved God's grace. They were sinners. And just like you, they obtained a Christ who came not for the righteous, but for sinners. They discovered that Their grace came not as a result of their labor, but as a result of Christ's labor, his work, his passion, his death, his resurrection. Now, it's one thing to hear that we all have the same grace that Jesus has obtained for sinners, and it's quite another thing to actually be happy with that, to rejoice in it. Uh, this is why Jesus gives this parable. It's especially for his baptized, Christians like you and me, that, that he wants to give this parable to. He wants us to be warned against having an evil eye towards our God 
because of how reckless and generous he is with his grace. Now, there's a whole sermon in that, the fact that when God does good things towards us, for our flesh drives us to hate him for it, but it's enough for us to know uh, that, that this is our temptation today. And it was the attitude of the very first group who went to work in the vineyard. The people who especially suffered under the blisters, the aches, the pains, and the blazing sun, uh, they knew, they knew, realize, the portion that they were to receive. The master of the vineyard told them straight up, you're going you're gonna to get a denarius. The mistake was in thinking that their labors, because they had been there all day and had done so much more than the lazy mall rats who had waited around until the 11th hour, the mistake was in thinking that their labors somehow de- deserved their denarius, that it was somehow apart from the promise of the master, that it was given to them according to grace. And so also you do your sense, you know exactly what you're getting into in this Christian life. Jesus tells you in your baptism that you are getting all of his righteousness. He promises you, he promises you a rich life of forgiveness and hope in the resurrection. And, and he promises you even the wages of his own body and blood to strengthen and keep you in the faith. And yet the temptation comes. To consider the person to our left and to our right and to, and to ask, well, has he really uh, put in as much work for this congregation as I have? Uh, have they worked hard enough at their Christian life? You know, I, I'm pretty sure that I have put in years of it and this person next to me has only been baptized a few months ago. How is it that they can have the same Christ, the same righteousness, the same forgiveness? And so this is the devil's temptation, to trick us into expecting that the quality and the quantity of our vocational works should result in a deeper measure of grace, a different Christ than the Christ that you first received when, when the Word of God uh, saved you in your baptism, you know. But to demand a special treatment from God by virtue of our works Dear saints, that is, that is to risk eternal life. Jesus tells you today, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree for, with me for forgiveness, for life, and for salvation? Yes, it's true. Once you're baptized, once you've been saved, Jesus puts you to work in his vineyard. And the works that you do are pleasing in your heavenly Father's sight. But then Jesus tells us plainly to do these works with humility. He says, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. And so this morning, dear saints, we find our contentment not in in counting up our works, not in measuring our works against the works of the person next to us, but in rejoicing in the fact that though you would last In this world and before the sight of your heavenly Father, according to your sins, right now you are first in the kingdom of heaven by virtue of what Christ has done for you and for his righteousness. You are first because of the grace that he bought with his very blood. So don't think about your works. Think about Jesus. 
hear His voice, hear His word. And in His mercy, I promise you will always find joy, the true Christian joy that He wants to give you. You will learn to rejoice in the fact, instead of begrudging it against Him, that He gives His mercy recklessly and generously to all who believe in His name. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.